0: Hello, and welcome to season three of Sustain a Pod, the youth led podcast for young people and anyone interested in exploring the world of sustainability. My name is Belinda, and this episode is hosted alongside my lovely co host, Cadence.
1: Yep, my name is Cadence, and we're so happy today to have Stephanie with us. Stephanie founded Body Banter in 2016 after realizing the powerful role that discussion and advocacy played in her own eating disorder recovery journey. So her work has been featured on media platforms including BBC, Channel News Asia, and Now TV, and she's just an all inspiring person. We also have Dia with us, who is a student Body Banter ambassador and also our lovely Sustainable Pod Outreach member. So let's jump straight into it first of all for stephanie what inspired you to start body banter and can you talk more about what body banter does
2: yeah wonderful i'm so excited to be on sustainapod first of all thank you for having me belinda cadence and dia it's an honor and i'm really thrilled to have this conversation so woo (laughs) okay um, so what inspired me to start Body Banter? That's a great question. And I always start by sharing an anecdote of how the idea came to me. It was actually while I was um, on vacation in Japan. And I remember waking up from a dream. <laughs> and this dream was, um, it was kind of like I was on a TEDx day and I was giving a speech. And basically what happened was there, there was this stream of words that was coming out of my mouth. And I could actually see the words <laughs> coming out of my mouth in a visual way. And I remember just standing on that stage and thinking to myself, oh my gosh, this is so, so messy. Like there's so much stuff coming out of my mouth. It looks like word barf. Like if you've ever seen the image of like a gnome barfing rainbows or something, (laughs) that's kind of how I felt in that moment. (laughs) Um, So it was a very surreal dream. Um, But I woke up remembering and actually realizing something very important about the ways that we converse and the ways that we share our narratives. Because what happened in the dream was that despite being very messy with the way I spoke, despite barfing rainbows, <laughs> everyone in the audience was actually very receptive to what I had to say. And um, everyone else in the audience actually also started to barf rainbows. Um, and so there was some kind of solidarity even in that messiness. Um, and that's something that, you know, I think was planted in my brain space at the time. And I just came to a realization that, yes, you know, we all have our messy narratives to share. And yet there is something that is very human about that. And And conversations are kind of that way that we can tie together all of those narratives. And I I think about it as standing strong in the solidarity of the struggles that we share. And so in terms of starting Body Banter, I'm very much inspired by my own experience, the ways that I started to, as you said, you know, discover the power of conversations throughout my recovery from the eating disorder. During my teens, I was, you know, as you can probably <laughs> relate to the teens, um, kind of the preteens to the teens to the young adult um, period is really messy and very turbulent lots of changes and transitions in terms of social circles and also just academic stressors. There's just so much change. And so the way that I coped with my reality was to try to make it a little neater and more predictable. And that's how I started to um, develop disordered eating patterns as a way to latch onto something that felt stable and concrete and tangible. And that meant controlling my weight, controlling the way my body looked. And that worked for a while. I always say that it worked for a while. And that's why it felt like a survival mechanism. Um, And then slowly it turned into something that was more and more, you know, it it started to spiral into something that I couldn't quite handle anymore. And what I was hanging on to was the addictive feeling of control rather than the aspect of like, what does my body look like at this point? And, you know, I I always think about it as, you know, in the darkest days of the disorder, you stop thinking even about appearance-based traits and things that are based on appearance. And that's not something that people anticipate when they hear about eating disorders, because there's always a misconception that it is to do with that obsession with appearance, but it's actually an obsession with, uh, with control and actually wanting to feel safe in the face of things that feel very uncontrollable and unpredictable. And so with body banter, that was kind of you know, in the initial stages, very much just a way that I wanted to explore how other people were experiencing their messy experiences as well. So it was very like a self-reflective, self-motivated kind of exploration. I would say for reasons that were, I was just curious to be frank. (laughs) And so Body Banter was founded as an online platform. We were basically a Squarespace site. (laughs) At the beginning, we were a Squarespace site. And I asked my friends and friends of friends afterwards, you know, to share their stories and their perspectives. And I just wanted to know how people narrated their stories about body image and mental health. And then from there, after I established the online version of Body Banter, I went to college in the U.S. And then in my, I think, I believe it was my third year of college, I started an in-person discussion group on campus and that was where you know another form of magic happened because when you have in-person discussions there is something about that where people start to open up in a very particular way and there's sharing there's connection and so I realized that there were different mediums through which we could explore our stories and do that collectively as well so that's kind of the way that Body Banter started to develop into just exploring different mediums of expression as well and starting to establish those in-person pockets of discussion. And then, you know, I always think about body banter as developing very organically. Nothing really was planned. Conversations started to um, take shape people started to hang on to, you know, we started to build community. And to this day, I just, I think that body banter is, is the community. It's just the way that people expand upon the first things that that, what they bring into the conversation and what they want to create. It's, it's all up to the imagination and the ability to construct new things from our community members. And yeah, so that is a a big circle (laughs) of an explanation. (laughs) Well, thank you for
0: sharing that. It's really incredible to hear how, you know, it started with just the Squarespace site and then it has become something that has really impacted on so many high school students, especially in Hong Kong, through your different workshops and different sessions. And I agree definitely that it is such a personal thing and everyone relates to be it disordered eating patterns and body image in such a different way that having a platform to talk about it is actually so powerful in that sense, because it can feel quite isolating in the moment. It's a very like individual thing. And so yeah, that that's really, really amazing. And and during this process, I know you didn't mention that it was quite organic. Were there kind of any main challenges that you encountered or unexpected things that kind of arose in the process? And like, how did you, yeah, overcome?
2: Yeah, thanks for asking that, Melinda. And definitely a very interesting process of um, developing and growing beyond the initial, I would say, the initial Squarespace site. I think initially when we started to, you know, branch out into school clubs, especially as it started to branch out into kind of school clubs that were beyond my school. So because I started it as a discussion group in the college I was at, and then, you know, other people started to be like, oh, so can we establish these at our schools as well? There was just that, I think, the logistical aspect. Administrative aspect of building Body Venture. was the more complex side because, and this is still something I struggle with all the time because with the community-based aspect and trying to balance that community-based aspect and trying to give, also give some structure to the organization, that's probably the biggest challenge that I have faced (laughs) with that. And it's sometimes hard because I know that everyone has, I want people to have flexibility with the ways that they develop their ideas within Body Banter and how they explore things in their own capacities. And also I know that especially with conversation communities, which are the discussion groups we establish at different schools, I know that with sensitive topics like body image and mental health, it's particularly important that we provide structure. And so there is this balance that I need to, you know, I need to think about. Now we now we have these standardized discussion templates that people can refer to. And we make sure to check in with our ambassadors to see how they are doing with their discussions, but then also give them more free reign over or creative agency over particular topics and you know just as long as we can come to like a, an agreement as to how to tackle a topic more sensitively than we do that but just this was something that I had to learn along the way because early early on I was kind of like yeah just talk about whatever you want to talk about <laughs> and that did not work well <laughs>
1: Yep, thanks for sharing your experience. And yeah, like I definitely agree, like expansion is definitely a problem, and you have to like provide some structure else. Everyone goes like, blah, 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 blah. so yeah, that obviously exactly doesn't work. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so obviously, you talked about expansion a little bit, but like, ha- is it do you have any like next plans or goals for body banter? Because I know you guys do a lot of great stuff already, but are you planning to like perhaps do even more or are you planning to just like consolidate your current programs? What are your new plans for 2022? beyond.
2: Woo, excited for that. And I think we have had these, uh, we had actually had some exciting ideas for how to grow body banter. And I think COVID did make it a little bit more difficult to do that this year. We did actually want to do a few more in-person gatherings and bring our community together, especially with, in Hong Kong. And I know and Dia currently we're on a <laughs> we're on a Zoom call for those of you who are listening. And Dia's is nodding because we actually had some great in-person gatherings back when COVID wasn't quite as um, severe as it is right now, and we were able to create some intern gatherings and ambassador gatherings and just get the community together within Hong Kong. But you know we we do what we can now. You know know. know hopefully we can maybe do a zoom gathering at some point and we try to keep the community together over um, discord so discord is a chat platform for those of you who are not familiar it's like it has channels for different conversation topics and we're just able to um, communicate with our community that way but you know going back to the idea of other next plans for body banter I would really like to see more localized content since we are now based in Hong Kong I'd like to get some Chinese content out there and to see how we can bring in more you know just just make our platform more inclusive and you know linguistically and culturally And then also just thinking about, you know, with, I I always say, you know, COVID allowing, hopefully having more interactive exhibitions and activities and seeing how we can bring in the broader community in an in-person way. Because I just, I just know that there is something about in-person gatherings and connecting in person that makes something more impactful. And then as Cadence was asking, I, I think, We are also looking to just solidify what we have, reaching out to more schools, doing more talks and doing that consistently, and then working on structuring and just making our advocacy mentorship program for youth and also just our overall organization a little bit more structured and and also flexible at the same time. So bringing in the community, making sure everyone feels like they have a role and feels important and knows that their work is valued. So that's something I want to work on for our organization this year
0: that's very all very very important stuff and i love the way that you've really broken it down and really made it very people-centric you know like the organization is ultimately the people and really making everyone feel that inclusion is really important and so yeah i'd like to bring dia in here obviously you've been doing a lot of really great work as an ambassador so could you share with us more about your initial motivations for being an ambassador and also could you share anything maybe that you've learned about yourself in the process of being an ambassador
3: course. So um, initially, I was very in awe with like the Body Banter mission, because I felt like having these mindful conversations about issues like mental health and body image are very valuable, especially when you're like kind of my age, like you're kind of young. And this type of guidance is so valuable because we live in an era where you're constantly exposed to these like unrealistic beauty standards on social media. It's like the first thing you see when you open your screen And so getting this type of guidance early on, I think, is just really beneficial for like mental well-being so you don't end up harming yourself physically or mentally. And because of this, I joined to help those with a negative body perception of themselves and providing them with sort of the stepping stones to being open about the insecurities and understanding how doing so can actually help foster and build their self-esteem so you get more comfortable with yourself. And this is something that I learned through my journey of, like, of being a ambassador. I definitely learned more about my boundaries and who I am as a person, like, what I feel comfortable with and what I don't feel comfortable with, and how to sort of healthily, like, enforce a boundary. And also just knowing the basic fundamentals and key concepts of healthily talking about body image, because it's also very important. So you have to be mindful, you know, like, thoughtful talking, so you don't end up offending anyone or really creating an open space so everyone feels comfortable and just reinforcing the fact that you are allowed to only talk about things to the extent that you're comfortable with and this is something that I've definitely learned and been exposed to since being a banter bastard. like any survey or like discussion I've seen or been a part of with body banter That's one of the most prominent things I've noticed, and I very much appreciate that. Yeah, so I'm very grateful for all of this. In terms of, like, projects or starting initiatives within Body Banter, I have learned, like, the possibilities are endless. You can do anything you want to do. Just plan, talk to Steph, talk to, like, any of the other head team members, and they will help you make it happen. And that is just amazing. Like, oh, my God, it's the best thing ever and it's really inspiring. So you also stay motivated. And that's really, <laughs> makes you feel very connected with the body banter family.
1: Honestly, Dia, that's so inspiring. And I'm glad that you shared like your part of the story. And honestly, yeah, I'm um, sharing stories about like, you know, your body image and also like making sure that people are comfortable and it's a safe space is like especially important. I know like um, this question can be directed at either of you because I know both of you have parents in this area. But how should we talk to someone struggling with body image? Perhaps Stephanie
3: can start first. Yeah,
2: thanks, Cadence, and and thank you for sharing that, Dia. You very literally brought tears to my eyes, (laughs) and I'm honored to hear um, and so thrilled to hear that there was something that you felt like Body Banter was something that was supportive to you, and I feel the very same way about you joining us and just the ways that you've contributed to Body Banter so far, and I'm excited for where we're going to go going forward. But yes, I'll speak a little bit to the topic of how to speak to someone who might be struggling with their body image or their eating. And Dia, definitely feel free to jump in wherever. So I have a couple of things that I just kind of keep at the forefront of my mind in terms of talking about this topic. I think the first thing is to see their whole person first. I think a lot of times when you think about someone who might be struggling with any mental health problem, there's this tendency to be like, oh, you know, this is something that is almost encompassing their whole being, like I need to tiptoe around it almost, or there is this spotlight effect almost that this person is just, you know, just their mental illness or only represents this category. And so I think the first thing to do is to treat them like they're a whole person, to show them that you value them as they are, regardless of any that they might be struggling with, or perhaps what physical state they're in. So, for example, something that was very helpful for me personally when I was coming out of the eating disorder. Was that my friends would invite me to dinner consistently, no matter how many times I would say no. <laughs> you know? So they would be like, Steph, it matters that you're coming. We're getting dinner tonight. If you want to come along, please do. You know, so they would consistently ask me to go to dinner, even if that was, you know, they they kind of knew actually that I would probably say no. And I did say no for the first perhaps 20 times. But then the 21st time, I was like, well yeah, I'll, you know, maybe I'll, I'll bring a snack afterwards. And, you know, maybe that's something I'm not 100% comfortable with yet, but then I feel so valued. And so I feel like you're seeing me as a whole. And so I think that was something that was personally helpful and I think is just helpful in general for the person. And, you know, this extends beyond eating context. So telling the friend that they matter to you, for example, giving them kind of validation and, and compliments that show them that you see them as a whole person. So like you bring such joy to my life. You know, you bring such sparkle, energy. Your energy is so lovely. You know, there's a lot of ways to validate the person beyond praising them for perhaps like eating more today, or, you know, praising them for putting on some weight if you're in a kind of a weight restoration process of an eating disorder, for example. So there are a lot of ways you can show the person that they're valued beyond just the eating behaviors or the physical appearance aspects of recovery. And then the the second thing that I kind of think about is just to ask person what they need and to be an open place and non-judgmental place for conversation and to be someone to listen to them, but also respecting their boundaries along that process. So kind of being prepared to listen to what they have to say and giving them that space, but then not pushing them. So there is a tendency to be like, oh, but but what do you really feel? <laughs> you know, it's like, there has to be more. <laughs> and and this all comes out of good intention. And a lot of things, you know, just I acknowledge, you know, along the journey, it's really hard to tell what is the best way to support someone. Even as a person supporting someone else, you will slip up. And that is fine. I think everyone has their learning process, including people who are supporting others. But just, you know, keeping in mind that this person is also working through things. You're also working through things. And I think ultimately just giving yourself grace and the person as well. So yeah, that's kind of what the, the two things that I keep in mind when when supporting someone and, and what helped me feel supported as well. Yeah, anything to add?
3: Of course. <laughs> also, I feel like just understanding that the journey to finding self-love and gaining confidence has its highs and lows. And especially during like seasons where they're like holidays and big feasts and things. And so having this sort of like understanding already puts you one step closer into a mindset where you're going to be sort of more approachable to a person. And with that, just again, like not forcing anything out of them. If they do decide to tell you about their struggles, don't force anything out of them. Just listen first and just remind them that there's no pressure to overshare anything. But also having this sort of universal behavior is useful because you never know who's struggling with body image. And so if you decide to act this way with one person who you definitely know has even just a mental health issue in general, if you act like this specifically with them but sort of act differently with other people, that might hinder the ability to sort of create a safe environment Because those people who are having the same issues but aren't necessarily explicitly displaying it may feel sort of discouraged to open up and they might feel like they're not worthy enough of opening about their problems and having the necessary help to solve them or overcome their issues. And going back to what Steph said, not really counter-questioning in terms of what do you really feel? You know, just listen to them and understand them for who they are And just show them that they deserve to be loved. Their body deserves to be loved. Who you are as a person deserves to be loved no matter what. And there are people there for you.
0: That was very, very insightful. Thank you both for that. I recently actually came across a quote on social media. Ironically, I know we talk a lot about how social media perpetuates body image challenges (laughs) and struggles, but it said, it was very simple. It just said like, your weight is the least interesting thing about you. And I was like, yeah, that was... (laughs) that was that really hit me I was like yeah that is so true and and there is this obsession you know sometimes when when <laughs> when you are in that little hole where you are in that weird with disordered eating pattern or something that like you just it it becomes very obsessive as Stephanie you mentioned like with the idea of control and it's like no like it's not at all and like focusing on the whole person which is why I thought that is so important Um, I want to shift the topic a little bit now to talk more about more context specific ideas of body image obviously it's it's not something that's you know like t- typically when you think about eating disorders you think about maybe like a young girl but of course it's, that's not the case the body image challenges manifest differently across genders across like cultural context so could you share more about how maybe if there's anything specific about the way that body image struggles can occur in maybe the Hong Kong context and also maybe across different genders as well if there's any experiences or insights, yeah.
2: Yeah, um, I'm so glad you brought this up, Belinda, because I think there is this misconception that it's like a young white girl privileged individual's problem, and there's a lot of like you know just discussion about the stereotypical view of what a person with an eating disorder looks like, and you know the first thing that does come to mind is that this really affects first of all help seeking behaviors because if there is a certain way that eating disorders are supposed to look, then people who don't fit into that stereotype don't think that they. Help And it's like, oh, but I don't look like the person who is portrayed as struggling or I'm not sick enough yet. So I, I hear this a lot, actually, in terms of like, I, I don't deserve help. And I think that's one of the bigger implications when it comes to having these stereotypes about, about body image and about um, struggling with an eating disorder. Okay. So that was my mini segue. <laughs> but, you know, going back into the, the way that body image struggles can occur um, in the Hong Kong context and what Factors can kind of make it more salient or make these issues happen in particular ways. So an interesting thing that some research has gone into, and, you know, I'm sure many of uh, all of you here can relate to is that we have this very fast paced societal environment that really makes us want to do things effectively and efficiently. So we always want to do things, you know, we want to get shortcuts to doing things and make things happen as quickly as possible. So what we see here is that we have a lot of diet pill usage, and we have a lot of ways that we want to show and perform that we're doing well or that we're disciplined and we want to outwardly display those traits so how this links to things like body image is that a lot of times we'll want to you know those before and after photos we want to get to that after state as quickly as possible and we don't think about all the kind of the things that are going on in between and we just want to show we want to perform that ultimate state of being And so this this kind of comes to a place where we lose sight of those emotional consequences of how changing our behaviors surrounding food and exercise can affect our psychological states. So that's just one of the ways that, you know, the the societal atmosphere that Hong Kong has may um, facilitate or kind of like contribute to exacerbated or very particular ways that we might struggle with food and body. And then another thing that you all also might've noticed is there is this very narrow standard for what the ideal body looks like. And, you know, you might hear about how, so some of my friends who have come over from the UK or the US will comment on how it takes so much more. You have to be so much smaller in the Hong Kong context to be considered in an ideal shape. And if you kind of have too much variation you know, I put too much in quotes. <laughs> if you have too much variation in the, the way that your body looks in terms of like, if you're a bit, if you're a bit too muscular, quote unquote, too muscular, or, um, you know, even if you are... Um, quote unquote too thin, you know, like there's, there is a very narrow margin of perfection that occurs within the body image space in Hong Kong. And a lot of times I think about how this particular image is very, very Photoshopped because this is the way that a lot of the images are portrayed in our MTR stations, on TV. And, you know, there are people who are genetically blessed in that particular way to look like that. But I think that very narrow standard makes it very difficult for anyone to feel like they can fit in to this Ideal. And these narrow standards also make it a very normalized phenomenon for many of us to feel very dissatisfied with our bodies. So that's a second way in which, like, our environment can really, uh, our environment in Hong Kong can really shape our body and our relationship with body and food. And then just a final way is that you might have noticed in a lot of family gatherings or social gatherings, it's very normalized to speak about bodies and food in a very explicit and often not very pleasant way. So this is often seen as a sign of care. I I know that in most situations, it is intended to be a sign of care. I'm not doubting the intention, but I do think that when it is mixed with this environment of very overt concern and just the ways that, as you've seen, we've linked appearance with the ways that we are, like our morality, people that we are, when you're you're mixing that with social media factors and just this fast-paced societal environment, Plus people pulling out, you know, constantly commenting on your body and your eating behaviors and facilitating these um, self-surveillance and excessive body monitoring behavior, like kind of tendencies in yourself. Then you put that all together and it is a perfect storm for body dissatisfaction and a poor relationship with food. So (laughs) that all comes together to shape. Also, I know that the time is running out and we have not even touched grave the surface of the gender and <laughs> So let's let's hop on to the next. <laughs> and then we'll talk about <laughs> that part. <laughs>
0: There's so much to unpack still. So keep listening on part two of our conversation with Stephanie and Dia from Body Banter. As always, we would love to hear from you about this episode. So let us know if you have any questions and comments by messaging us on Instagram at sustainapod underscore or email us at sustainapod at gmail.com. See you next time.